You're listening to the Energy Policy Podcast, a production of the Center for the New Energy Economy at Colorado State University. I'm your host, Tom Plant. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Ling. And this week, we're going to be featuring the one, the only, Jeff Ling, as we talk, yes, as we talk about the solar decathlon. Uh, And you know, this is just... What's that? No, the solar decathlon is just such a fantastic uh, program of the Department of Energy. Uh, It was, for years, uh, it took place on the D.C. uh, Mall. Um, uh, right between the Capitol and the and the Washington Monument in uh, Washington D.C. and now over the last uh, few ta- few uh, decathlons, it's moved around the country. It's going to be here in Denver, Colorado, uh, coming up in October. I think it starts October fifth, and it is a competition that universities engage in every two years, um, and. Jeff, we're featuring you this week because you were you were the lead on the University of Colorado's winning uh, decathlon house back in two thousand five. Two thousand five. Now the the decathlon started in was it two thousand three or two thousand? Started in two thousand and two. Two thousand two. And it was every third year uh, until uh, for the first two competitions, and then it and then it's been every other year since then. It's a Department of Energy sponsored competition. Um, and it really was the 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 brains of a man named Richard King, uh, who I believe has since retired from DOE, who really had the idea to to put together a student competition to design a solar powered house, and which is interesting enough. But as you say, you know the the forum the forum where this takes place or did initially on the National Mall right in front of the Capitol is just a really incredibly powerful place to, to have a student demonstration of new technology. And the contest has evolved uh, over, you know, over the last decade and a half, and we're going to be talking with Linda Silverman, the, the, uh, the program manager for the decathlon now. She took over from, from Richard King. Um, and so the contests have evolved, the location has changed, but the, the, you know, the, the gist of it is still the same. You have uh, university teams that apply to the DOE to get into the contest. Yeah, well, that's the first before, step. Before you go into this, I, I'd like to. I, I want to kind of divide this up into two things. First of all, is what the public sees, you know, and I, I can I can talk a little bit about what the public sees. Right. But one of the things that's unique about having you here, Jeff, is that you you know the backstory of what happens. All of the various things that happen behind the scenes as you're getting to the point for the public to see this. So, real briefly, you know, the decathlon really references. There's there's ten major things that the houses are graded on or, right, or yeah. rated on, and uh, and the that is sort of embodies the competition of each of these houses. But when people come to the mall or wherever it's going to be. What they see are these houses that have been constructed on the site uh, by the universities. Uh, they're, they're fully self-contained. They're off-grid. Um, they operate off of their own solar power as well as a variety of other technologies. You mentioned how they're really showcases for technologies. And one of the reasons of that is because you're, you are operating off the grid. You want to have the most efficient uh, you know, appliances, the most efficient heating systems and, and, and con- air conditioning systems and things like that. You also have electric vehicles 
that there's a, a component of this that, that goes into, you know, both powering and then driving around your electric vehicle and you get rated on that as well. And what people are able to do is go out and, and walk through this solar village uh, that's constructed just for these two weeks or whatever it is um, in these in these locations and they get tours of the houses from the students um, and they talk about all the various different features that the, that they see within the house. And I, I, I remember, you know, the, that uh, in looking at these uh, houses in the past, it's, it's really interesting how much uh, engineering and thought goes into the various different components of these houses, um, whether it's, you know, how you're treating your water or how you're, um, you know, helping to dehydrate the, the area inside the home so that you can more efficiently air condition it or whatever it might be. It's really, it's interesting all the various things that go into the thinking about it. Um, but you were a part of the CU team. Uh, and how did it all start with you guys? Was this, a, was this driven by a faculty member or was it a student driven thing? So it actually pre predated my time at, at CU, and as I understand it, the, the students there in the graduate engineering program uh, brought it to a professor, Michael Branemule, at the building systems program, who since retired and said, hey, we want to do this. Uh, we think we should apply. And, and so began, you know, this incredible journey for, for many, many people at the uh, University of Colorado at Boulder, of which I was really fortunate to be a part of. Um, but it's it's a wild ride. I mean, th think about it. You're going to you're going to school first off full time. <laughs> you're either an undergraduate or a graduate student, and you know, with with little time to spare to begin with. Um, and these teams are anywhere from you know twenty to fifty people, and you're building a house. And not so only are you building a house, but you're bringing it to the National Mall in D.C. to compete in a variety of contests. Uh, and so there's so a whole world that's created like around you, it. You all get together and you say, okay, we're going to build a house. What are the various different parameters within which you're, you're designing? And so there are very, there are, I would say there are very tight parameters in terms of square footage, for example. Um, and this may have changed. We should talk to Linda about it. But when I competed, the square footage limitation was 800 square feet. So you have to, you know, the footprint of the house can be no larger than 800 square feet. It has to be something, obviously, you can move It's off the grid. Easily. Yeah, it has to be, obviously, mobile. So w we actually came up with the idea to build it in the parking lot of a Home Depot in Colorado. Uh, I actually remember going to the, to the uh, store, general, the store owner, or manager, rather, at, at this Home Depot and saying, we'd like to build a house in your parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> and the strange, strange look that I got, but but indeed we did, and so and then once you're finished with it, you've got to get it to the National Mall in D.C., set it up in a very short amount of time. I think we had three days or less, tear it down and bring it home. Um, and all the while you're going through school, you're maybe writing a dissertation, and I would say that Tom, the the thing that sort of the visitors don't see the most is how the teams have all self-organized. You know, you have to have at least a, one faculty sponsor within the university. As I was mentioning, you have to first apply. You have to tell DOE, you know, we have this expertise. The university is willing to do um, the fundraising for this. When I competed, we got $5,000 from the Department of Energy 
uh, for what ultimately was a several hundred thousand dollar project. And so, so was the students raised, are actually doing the fundraising. Was that raised uh, through a combination of donations of, you know, equipment yeah. and, and cash? Or? Product donations, in-kind, cash, a variety of things. And so I think what it really teaches these teams is about project management. I mean, ultimately, the house is what all these people see. But what you don't see behind the scenes is, uh, you know, how management emerged, uh, what were some of the tensions. You know, these are inherently, um, these are design processes, right? Yeah. And so a lot of the teams start with an idea, and then they scrap it, and they come up with something completely different. You know, there are any number of things from uh, mobile home chassis, which is what we built our house on in 2005, to storage containers, to stick-built houses, you know, conventional two by six, two by four framing, uh, structural insulated panels, and just some wild stuff. Um, but I think the what was the, the what was how many how many people kind of dropped out, like started out in the team, and then by the you know two years down the line. I, I don't want to I don't want to incriminate myself as the project <laughs> manager by answering that question, but it's an intense process. Yeah, and I think um, and I think the students that get involved in it. Um, that stick with it quickly realize that this is a way for me to yes get training uh, you know and, and and educate myself but this is also a way for me to differentiate myself from other people that maybe they're going to be applying for the same jobs that I'm mm-hmm. going to be applying for did, you know, was it a cre- what did it turn into accredited it was not class, it was, no I, did, I received no I don't know that anyone in in my uh, cohort received uh, uh, credit hours for it and so it was all really extracurricular. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's so fascinating for, for me and for my colleagues is that, you know, for an employer to see that on your resume and say, what's that? What's the solar decathlon? You know, and then it, it's just this incredible icebreaker where you, you share this real world experience with an employer or a colleague. And I think, I think that's one of the biggest benefits is intangible. It's sort of what you're getting to, you know. You see the, you see the solar village and you see the, the houses themselves, but what you don't see is the, um, how much growth and learning the students have gone through to get there. Um, because you really need to learn, you know, not only about architecture and design, but also all about HVAC systems and, you know, sizing your electric systems and sizing your solar and it, you you know your hot water system and your the electric car and not to mention uh, the joys of working with subcontractors i mean <laughs> you know the, the, these student teams are they're doing it all they're designing the house they're working within the university administrations to to procure uh you're buying an awful lot of materials when you build a house you're managing your colleagues. You're managing subcontractors. You, uh, in our case, we actually had to hire a subcontractor to, to drive with the house uh, to ensure that we had enough um, clearance height and to really put together this transportation route to get our house to the National Mall. And, then, and that's all of sort of the things that you have to do before the contest even starts, right? And so... You know, the, the rules manual on this thing is several hundred pages thick, um, and you're graded. There are some contests where it's um, a, a jury of, of judges, uh, like the architecture jury, for example, or the, the curb appeal jury. Uh, but then there are other contests that are more instrumentation graded, like energy balance 
uh, or uh, when I was competing, how far you could drive your electric vehicle, how much electricity you were able to put into the electric vehicle. The contests are really designed to simulate what an actual house would be doing, right? So you have to maintain thermal comfort. You can't let the house get really humid or really cold or really hot. You've got to maintain a, a steady temperature and humidity. You've got to wash and dry laundry. You've got to cook meals. You've got to keep the lights on. And so um, in a very, very nerdy engineering way, uh, this contest really isn't, is designed to simulate, you know, um, normal living conditions. Uh, I had the just this just absolute um, incredible life experience that our team, our team won due to a, this tremendous team strategy effort to, uh, to figure out the point system of the contest and, and win um, during a week where DC received uh, an incredible amount of rain. There, was, there were very, very few uh, sun, uh, sunny days. I think there were zero sunny days during a five-day competition. Something like three or four inches of rain fell during that week. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a poor time in a way for a solar contest, but it was also a great demonstration that, that it worked. Yeah. Um, Samuel Bodman, then Secretary of Energy, toured the houses, came down to the mall uh, and brought uh, his undersecretary. Um, several of the contest uh, uh, student program managers testified to a subcommittee in Congress a few weeks afterward about the contest. Um, and I was just so fortunate to be a guest of, of then First Lady Laura Bush at the State of the Union uh, in 2005. This was the State of the Union address where, where um, President Bush admitted that America has an addiction to oil. Yeah, and so I had this just incredible experience where, uh, you know, someone just pulled me by the shirt collar, and I I was able to sort of talk about why this contest is important. Did you find that the the members of Congress that you testified in front of were they aware of the decathlon, or did they? I generally no. no. Um, and and what I was really there, the point that I was trying to convey at the time, I was interning with the Home Builders Association of Metro Denver, and. And these weren't my ideas by by any stretch of the imagination alone, because a lot of the other competitors felt the same way. That here you have students, you know, in their uh, early twenties mostly, um, designing the most sophisticated homes in the country, hands down. Homes that produce two, three, four times, five times as much energy as they consume. Uh, these are literal powerhouses, and and yet that's a real um, departure from the way production home build, building mm -hmm. is occurring you know, around the country. Even built-to-code homes are, are far uh, worse performers from an energy and water perspective than some of these homes are. So the real challenge that I think really this competition still has is how do we get the building community, um, the, the production home building community, even the custom home building community, to adopt some of these uh, cutting-edge uh, technologies, if you if you have the chance to the fortunate chance to go to one of these contests, as Tom's saying, you're going to see just some wild, crazy technologies. I remember when you and I went, Tom. I think it was 2007. One of the teams had a a desiccant the wall. Desiccant wall. I still it remember. Was sort that, of yeah. like you know the little packets of desiccant you get in your yeah. sneakers. They had this this wall that could dehumidify the space with with. Um, uh, or the chemical desiccant, and uh, that was built into a, to a, you know an artistic feature. And one of the and and something that a lot of people don't realize is that about half of the energy 
used by an air conditioner is really in dehydration of the of the air. Dehumidification. De- I mean, yeah, yeah right. dehumidification of the air. So so they were, you know, making their whole system more efficient by pre dehumidifying the air before they cooled it down. Yeah, that's and that's you know, every every one of these houses is gonna have a few tricks up its sleeve. And and that's I think what's so cool is that from the outside, they look like houses, uh, and on the inside, you'll see some things that are um, highly custom or or a different application of an existing technology. And it's it's designed to push the envelope. It's yeah. designed to be cutting edge. And, One and of my, the things, though, that's also really that's also really fascinating is, you know, for anybody who's ever designed a house, you know, you you sit down with an architect, you draw out, you know, what what you want, and then. Then there's this whole, you know, package of construction documents that get produced that, that cost you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for to get an architect to produce this. All of these houses, all of the construction documents, all of the, you know, the the various different um, systems and and everything, the blueprints, they're all available for free online. Yeah, Anybody can download these. Yeah, you're so right. About, well, they belong to you and me as taxpayers, right? Right. And everyone that's listening, and so it's a really great point that uh, I think that the DOE has done really quite well about uh, talking about what happens to the afterlife of these houses. Um, I think if if you go to the Solar Decathlon website, yeah, um, they have stories about the things that uh, they they have this whole page on what happens to the houses afterward, and um, uh, you know, my own experience was that when our house came back to. The Colorado, it was it was auctioned off by the university, and actually the students that built it didn't even know where where it, it fully ended up, and so, you know, I think there's much more effort and, and uh, attention now given to what's the story of these houses, who are the people that built it, how do the people that built it stay connected to it and educate the new owner on its operation, uh, but also how can they come back and be models. Uh, at sort of a, a, a final foundational place, you know. Yeah. We had ours on campus for um, uh, several months, and then it was, as I said, it was auctioned and someone purchased it. And so there's a, a project that the DOE has funded uh, to identify where the solar decathlon houses are now. If you go to the website solardecathlon.gov, uh, one of the things you learn about as a solar decathlete right off the bat is how to spell the word decathlon. <laughs> decathlon has only one A. Uh, SolarDecathlon.gov. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna be talking to Linda Silverman uh, in the next podcast on on this uh, topic, and she actually she wrote a, a blog entry on the Decathlon page called "The Many Fates of Former Solar Decathlon Houses," and it's got you know pictures and stories around these various different houses uh, from past decathlons and what's what's happened to them. And it's also got an interactive map. I don't know where it is on that page, but somewhere there's a Google map that has pinpoints of where these houses are. So you can look up and see if there's one, you know, even if you can't make it, is there one in your area? Yeah. Um, and, and so it is just this absolutely wonderful, creative, innovative um, project that the Department of Energy came up with more than 10 years ago that's been ongoing. It's now an international contest. There have been European teams that have participated. That's We're right. Ask and when Linda you did it, that. when you did it, it was just the U.S., but now uh, all over the world, really. It's gone. It's gone international, and and it's this real gem that I really encourage you to to check out if you're coming through Denver 
October the 5th through the 15th. It's actually right near the airport. It's going to be right right near the airport, yeah, easily accessible. Um, but again, you know, th- these houses are all over the country. So you've been listening to the Energy Policy Podcast, a production of the Center for the New Energy Economy at Colorado State University. We've been talking about the solar decathlon with my co-host Jeff Ling. Uh, he was uh, the, the project lead on uh, the winning solar decathlon back in 2005. And uh, we're going to be having the 2017 solar decathlon right here in Colorado starting on October 5th. So uh, if you have an opportunity to come to Colorado and see that, I uh, really encourage you to do that. Uh, if not, check out the webpage, solardecathlon.gov. Uh, And there are uh, all kinds of great stories about uh, both this year and uh, previous years. And tune into the next podcast where we're going to be talking to Linda Silverman, the the, uh, DOE manager of this contest. Uh, She'll correct anything that we got wrong and (laughs) and tell us how this contest has evolved and and DOE's thinking on it going forward. That'll be really interesting. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. Mm